I'm not uh, 100% sure of who plans your Sunday morning service, but uh, I would just like to say thank you for having me come on after that presentation. <laughs> I mean, really, what do you do? Do we need anything more than what we have just seen today? Thank you. That has just, wow. As Sherry and I were sitting there, we have three boys, and um, it brought back a lot of memories, and not all of them pleasant memories. <laughs> wow. For those of you who have sons, our prayers go out to you. For those of you who have daughters, you don't know how lucky you are. That's all I can say. Wow. Wow. Would you pray both with me and for me this morning as I bring God's word? Father, thank you for what we have just seen. How precious, how beautiful, how true. May the echoes of what we have just experienced live with us long after this day is over. And may we truly be grateful for the children that you have blessed us with. There is no greater sound on a Sunday during worship than to hear the voices of children. They are not an interruption. They are not an embarrassment. They are a gift. And in churches that are healthy, we hear their sounds often. And in churches that aren't, that's one of the first sounds that's missing. So I'm so grateful today to be here and to experience the story as it has just been told. Lord, as we look to your word today, we pray that you would continue to speak to us and show us, open our eyes, to see love, perhaps in a way that we've never even seen it before. And we'll give you glory, for it's through Jesus we pray. Amen. There are many commercials that are on television this time of year. Several of them have the same theme, and I don't need to get into specific brands or companies, but you'll probably be able to identify sort of where I'm coming from when I say that I saw a commercial recently that said, if you really want your wife to love you this Christmas, get her this. Yeah. Yeah, if you buy this. And then there are also commercials for the wives that it says, you know, if you really want your husband to love you this year, get him this. And it usually involves a truck coming over the horizon in snow for him, it's usually a trip to a jeweler or a jewelry store of some kind. But the underlying tone is that love can be bought. Now, at Christmas time, we hear people say, Christmas is about love, and everyone usually goes, yes, yes, that's, that's true. In fact, we have it spelled out for us today, and what a beautiful creative idea to have the word love, because love is associated with Christmas. We talk about love. When I think about shopping for Sherry this time of year, and I really need to get on that soon, <laughs> I think about what would, she, what would she enjoy, what would she appreciate, but to be perfectly honest, there's also the thought that life will be better if I find the right gift. Not better for her, it'll be better for me. And I'm sure she thinks the same thing. What will Tim really appreciate that will cause him to appreciate the effort that I made in purchasing something? And that is where our idea of love begins to show some stress fractures. That's where what we associate with Jesus coming to earth and his love for us, that's where 
it begins to fall apart a little bit. Because there is nothing manipulative about God's love for us. There's nothing that can be bought in terms of love when it comes to God's love. And yet we often associate those ideas with love. We're surrounded with images of love. We love our children. We love our church. We love the people in our lives, our friends and sometimes our coworkers. We say, I love them. I really love them. And yet, we see people stand in front of a congregation full of people and declare their love for one another. And we know that sometimes there comes a point in that marriage when they say, I no longer love. And they walk away. As a pastor for a long time, I have seen people stand up in a testimony setting and say, oh, I just love my church. And then a few years later, somebody does something and it offends them and they get angry and they say, I don't love my church anymore. And if that's our image of love, if that's what we define love as, then we begin to see that definition fall apart. What does the love that we celebrate at Christmas actually, factually look like? What is the real definition of love? And then more importantly, is it possible for me to actually love other people that way? Is it really possible? Is the love of Jesus an example for me to follow? That's a very common definition, and we're going to take a closer look at that. Now, just to get started, Scripture very clearly tells us in 1 John chapter 4 that we are commanded to love. 1 John chapter 4 says that we should love. So if you have any idea this morning that maybe this doesn't apply to you or you don't need to do this, Scripture makes it very clear that we are to love, and we're not only to love God, but we are to love one another. When Jesus walked on the earth and they said, what are the greatest commandments? He said, well, there's really only two, but you cannot separate them. One is you must love God, and two is you must love one another. Later on in John chapter 13, he would go as far as to say that it was love, the right kind of love, that would serve as the hallmark of identifying people as his. Just as a person who has a farm brands his cattle with his sign. This is mine. Love is the distinguishing mark that identifies us as followers of Jesus. But if we don't have the right definition of love, if we are going into that believing that our own definition of love can suffice, then we're not only going to not draw people toward Jesus, we're going to actually repel people. Is it a feeling that can come and go? Is it an emotion? What is it? Well, in John chapter 15 and verse 12, Jesus said, love each other as I have loved you. Now, that's a pretty clear commandment, but we have in some situations misinterpreted that to mean this. Jesus is our example that we try hard to model ourselves after. That sounds very reasonable on the surface. Love others as I have loved you. Okay, so Jesus, you're the example. 
And my job now, in your absence, as you have gone to the Father, my job is to work hard to model myself after your example. That sounds very reasonable. It is not true. That is not what Jesus meant when he said, love others as I have loved you. And here's the problem with that. When you are manufacturing gold, and you are producing gold at the highest quality level, now I don't traffic in pure gold very often, but it's my understanding that 24 karat gold is the purest form of gold. That means that that gold in its raw form has been brought to a boil and it has been cooked and the impurities have floated to the surface and they have been cleared off and you keep doing that and eventually you arrive at 24 karat gold, the purest form of gold. Sherry, you won't be getting any 24 karat gold for Christmas. But there are lower levels of gold. There's 14 karat gold. 14 karat gold is not completely pure, but it's also not completely impure. It's sort of a, a part of pure gold. But when Jesus said, I want you to love, he very clearly said, I want you to love with my love. He didn't say, try hard to love out of what you can produce. He didn't say, I'm an example, you follow my example. What he said was, I want you to love with my love. And only Jesus' love is 24 karat. Only Jesus' love is adequate for me to be able to love anyone and anything. If I try out of the impurity in my own life to love the way I'm supposed to, I am going to be one of those people that says, I love this one day and the next day I don't. That's born out of my impurity. That's born out of the fact that I am a fallen, sinful person. God's prescription for us is not that collectively or individually we love out of that impurity that exists in us. Instead, he says, your only hope for love is to love with my love. And that love is planted in us and lived out through us by him, by his spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes and inhabits my life, one of the great things that happens out of that is, for the first time, I am now able to love not with my own love, which has limits. And I can love you, but I can only love you so much, and then I don't really even want to be around you anymore. But when I'm loving with Jesus' love, that is actually his love just flowing through me, my love can actually become quite impressive. It can go beyond what I'm capable of producing myself, and it can be actually rather magnificent in its nature. But if I'm simply trying to be an example follow the example of Jesus, and I'm trying hard on my own, never going to happen. Now, Galatians chapter 5 spells this out very clearly for us. And if you have your Bible and you want to flip open to Galatians 5 just for a second, we'll just refer to it. But in Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, and he says, when you are filled with the Spirit, here are some of the characteristics that are going to come out of you. Now, he might as well have said, if you are an apple tree, this is what to look for. Here's the fruit. 
if you have apples growing on you, there's a very good chance that you're an apple tree. Well, in Galatians 5, he says, if you are filled with the Spirit, here's what's going to flow out of you. And the very first characteristic that he mentions is, class, love. But you see, that love isn't me trying hard to love. That love is God's love through his Spirit flowing through me. How do I do that? Well, there's two ways. The first way is faith. I receive the Spirit by faith. I allow Holy Spirit to do His work in producing His fruit in me by faith. I live by faith. That's the first step in the process. I will never be able to do it on my own. I'm going to have to trust Jesus to produce that love in me. The first thing I need to do is say, I, just like with salvation, I cannot do this on my own. I need your help in order to love. The second thing I need to do is I need to surrender. I need to stop trying. Now, I had a conversation with a person many years ago, and I was trying to explain to him about what it means to trust in Jesus, and I tried to tell him that one of the first things you need to do is stop trying to save yourself and just sort of throw yourself into the arms of Jesus and trust him. He didn't get it, and he didn't like it. You mean I'm not supposed to try to be good? I said, that's exactly right. You don't, you don't need to try to be good. You just let the goodness of God live itself out in you. And then after a, a, like an hour-long conversation, he said, so you mean I don't need to try to be good? <laughs> and we just kept going and going and going and going and going because he just didn't get it. But surrender is the key component in experiencing God's love because I'm no longer waking up in the morning saying, all right, I got to work hard to love today. I say, God, bring your love into me and through me today. So faith and surrender are the operative words that we need to use. How do I know if I'm getting it right? How do I evaluate whether I'm loving the way I'm supposed to love? 1 John 4.16 says, we know and rely on the love that God has for us. The love of Jesus is a love that we can depend on. I don't need to worry about it. If I don't really believe that his love is going to be there for me when I need it, I'm always going to be working at trying to produce it myself. But if I can know it and rely on it, like 1 John 4 says, then in every situation, I'm going to be able to say, God, I know that you have the capacity to love this person. I want you to just take, take a second, and I want you to think about a person in your life that right now, today, you would put in the category of Difficult to love. Now, some people, are you know, they just fall right off the tree, easy to love, no problem. Who is someone in your life today that you, and if you're sitting next to them, don't point, okay, please. <laughs> Christmas gatherings are coming this week, and you might already be way ahead of me and go, man, I hope I don't have to sit next to her. Oh, I don't want to be in the same room with him. How am I going to love that person? And if I do love that person, how am I going to know that I'm loving that person with Jesus' love? Three ways, three characteristics of God's love. The first is, God's love is unconditional. The love that Jesus displayed in coming to earth was a love that was not based on our performance. Romans 5 says, we were sinners. We were shaking our fist in God's face. We were defiant. And he still loved us enough 
to come and be born in a manger. Wow. That's unconditional love. Conditional love says, I love you as long as you meet my needs. I love you as long as you are entertaining. I love you as long as you don't do anything stupid. But if you do any of those things, I draw the line. That's it. No more. I withdraw my love. I don't love you anymore. 1 John 4 again says, this is love, not that we loved God, no big story there, but that he loved us. God's love is an unconditional love. It doesn't matter what the other person says or does, I never stop loving them. I am not capable of that on my own. I will never be able to produce a love like that. All of my love has limitations built right in. I love you this long, and then you start to annoy me, and then I stop loving you. God's love says there's nothing that you will ever do that will make me stop loving you. There's no sin you could commit. There's no error that you could make that would ever cause me to stop loving you. I can only love people that way when it's God's love that's flowing through me. Now, you have likely been exposed to many, many people who have loved in their own strength, and they've said those words, perhaps even to you, I will always love you. And then sadly, you experience the cessation of that love. Maybe it wasn't anything you did. Maybe you just moved away. Maybe you just changed locations, changed your zip code, and they weren't close to you anymore, and it turns out that their love was based on proximity. And once you got a couple hundred miles away, they stopped loving you. Maybe it's because you messed up. You blew it. You said or did something, and they just couldn't take it anymore, and they said, that's it, I just, I'm breaking this off. I can no longer love you. God's love is unconditional. Here's what you need to know about the love of Jesus. It's never, ever going to stop. And if you push him down and knock him over and crawl over him to go to hell, you can do that, but you will never, ever do it without him loving you for all of eternity. That's unconditional love. You can reject it, but you can't stop his love. It never, ever stops. Secondly, God's love is sacrificial. God's love always comes with a price. If you are loving someone with your own love, you can love them and really it won't cost you anything or much. But when we love with God's love, there will always be a price attached to it. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Giving always flows out of love. It was love that led Jesus. Not, we, we always refer to the cross, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, just the act of leaving heaven to come to earth was an incredible sacrifice for Jesus. The perfection of heaven, the splendor of heaven, the glory of heaven. He left that in order to take on human form and come and rub shoulders with people like me. What a sacrifice that was. Love led him to do it. Then love led him to the cross. But in between, there are dozens of examples of sacrificial love. The love of Jesus caused him to get down on his hands and knees and wash the feet of the disciples. That was love. I mean, let's face it, they were inferior to him in every way. 
and yet he loved them enough to sacrifice for them. 1 John 3.16 says, he, he laid down his life for us. But there's another way that love can be sacrificial. Sometimes when we talk about love, we get this sort of namby-pamby, weak milk toast, I have to agree with everything that you're doing in order to truly love you. That's sort of the way our nation views love these days, by the way. If you don't agree with me, then you hate me. If you have a different point of view, you hate me. And until you come around and endorse my behavior, you don't really love me. That, we see that a lot in media. The truth is just the opposite. Sometimes love compels me to look you in the eye and tell you something that's going to be painful or something that's going to cause you not to love me back. That's love. When Jesus came to earth and he looked into the eyes of people and said, I'm here to save you because you are sinners? The Pharisees didn't throw him a parade when he said that. They didn't like that. But he told them anyhow. Jesus said hard things to people in difficult situations. What compelled him to do it? Love. I don't know about you, but I've been in situations before where I wanted to withhold telling people the truth because of how it might make them feel about me. And my feelings were more important than the truth. And so I didn't want to be honest and open. That was a sacrifice I was not willing to make. God's love will always be honest with you. It will always be truthful with you. And if it causes me to not like what I'm hearing, so be it. But let's face it, who wants a doctor that's not going to tell you the truth? Do you really want to go to a doctor with some big thing hanging on the side of your shoulder and the doctor goes, no, you're good, you're fine, because he's afraid you won't come back to him if he tells you the truth? Who wants a doctor like that? We want to know when we sit with our doctor that our doctor's telling us the truth about our condition. God's love is not only unconditional, God's love is sacrificial. No matter what it costs, he's willing to do it. And then thirdly, God's love is permanent. God's love is permanent. Jeremiah says, I have loved you. He's quoting, he's quoting God as his voice. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with a love that's never going to go away. The love we celebrate at Christmas is not some emotional thing that got worked up and God said, okay, I'm going to do this once, but that's it. It was the product of a long-standing, eternal love. God's love does not come and then go. You can bank on it. And the people in your life, if they're being loved by you with God's love, are going to understand something. There's never going to come a time when I'm not going to be loved. You may disagree with me. You may tell me that I'm wrong, but you're never going to stop loving me. Have you ever been in a situation where you just flat out blew it? I remember in our first church, we had gone through a fire and we were doing a rebuilding phase and I was calculating the repairs that were going to be necessary and at the end of the whole project, I realized that I had made a mathematical error, not the first mathematical error that I've ever made. And I was off by a couple thousand dollars. And in that setting, in that small church, a couple thousand dollars that we hadn't calculated. And I was terrified to sit in front of the board and say, I messed up because I was afraid they'd hate me. 
And instead, they said, you know what, Pastor, you've done so much for us during this time. We really appreciate you. We forgive you. No big deal. Let's move on. I had never seen love like that before. I was so afraid of what they were going to think of me. I was so afraid that the love they had demonstrated in my first years as their pastor would suddenly go away because I had messed up. The great thing about God's love being permanent is it releases me to be able to seek forgiveness. I can come to the Father with my mistakes knowing that he's not going to stop loving me. It doesn't motivate me to make mistakes. It motivates me to own them when I do make them because his love is permanent. You may have never experienced that love before, but it's real and it's God's. Well, we've been talking about love. If I were talking about a big bank account with thousands and thousands of dollars in it, the question that you might ask that would be a fair question is, okay, stop talking about it and just tell me how do I get it? I just want to have it. Yeah, I'm impressed. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of love out there, but how do I get it? Luke chapter 11, verse 10. One word, ask. Ask. God, do you give me that kind of love? Would you give me a love that is unconditional? I need to love my spouse unconditionally. I need to love my children unconditionally. I have coworkers. I have family members. I have people in my church. I need to love them unconditionally. I can't stop loving just because I disagree with them. God, would you give me a love that is sacrificial, a love that's willing to go all the way? Whatever it costs me, I'll do it. God, would you give me a love that's permanent, that doesn't come and go with the seasons of life? Would you give me that kind of love? Jesus said, all you need to do is ask. But there's a, there's a catch. You have to be committed to using it. You can't bankroll it. Only love that's going to be utilized is given by the Father. Sort of like electricity. Electricity only functions when there's a demand for it. You can't store it up. Got a big barrel of electricity over here. No, nope. when you throw that switch and the light says, okay, I need electricity, electricity flows to the light. God's love doesn't just flow to us and stop and we stockpile it and we're just swimming around in love and isn't this great. God's love flows to us only when we are committed to allowing it to flow through us problem I encounter in some churches is that they want to be reservoirs of God's love, but they don't ever want to distribute it. May we be people who love God's way with his love. It's the only love worthy of celebrating at Christmas. So whether it be this Christmas as you gather with family whether it be your workplace that you head back to tomorrow, perhaps a prodigal child that has broken your heart, someone that you've been in conflict with, someone who has disappointed you or hurt you. God's love can flow through us. The same love that brought Jesus to earth, the same love that we celebrate today, is the love that he wants to unleash through us. And as John 13 says, there is no greater impact on a lost community than to experience this kind of love, 
unconditional love, sacrificial love, permanent love. When we love that way, we will draw people to the Father. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the love that you possess. And if it were just yours to utilize, it would be impressive. But the idea that you are willing to share that love with us and allow us to love others the way you love is off the charts. We can't, can't fully comprehend it, but we can know it. This Christmas, may our love truly be a reflection of yours.